0: hi my name is ava this is your truth for your 20s podcast with your host katie bormer my mom enjoy listening my name is katie bormer a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truth for your 20s. Have you guys ever fangirled over someone so much that you highlighted almost every word in her books? Also, you have a vision board over your desk and one of your big dreams and big goals is to possibly have this amazing girl on your podcast. Me either. I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> But you guys, seriously, today I have on the podcast, Mo Isam Aiken. She is someone I have admired from afar for so long. She is a powerhouse of just incredible information, of incredible truth. And she wrote a book that I'm a walking advertisement for. That is Sex, Jesus, and the Conversation the Church Forgot. You guys, I'm so excited. Here we go. But first, the review of the week. This is from Alexis. She says, as a single girl in her 20s, this podcast has been such a blessing. Short, sweet, and means so much. Alexis, your reviews are one of the things that helps this podcast to grow, and it really just means a lot to me, because sometimes I don't know who's listening out there and how it lands on you guys' ears. So to be able to hear back from you, it just means the world. If you could take a second and leave a review on iTunes, I would appreciate it so much. Hello, Mo.
1: Hello. This is a treat. Um, Thanks for
0: having me on. Of course. This is like my dream. I just think that you're the coolest person. I'm so excited to share you with our listeners. I'm, this is just going to be so fun. Um, <laughs> share with us where you are geographically right now. Okay. We are based right
1: outside of Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia. Um, so kind of, I don't know if anyone listening is familiar with the area, but we're in like the Smyrna, Mableton area. Uh, that's home base for us. We can see the skyline from from one of our main streets, but we're just outside of the city where we can see some, some green as well. We've got some yard to run in. So uh, yeah, we're just outside of Atlanta.
0: Okay. I knew you were from Atlanta and that's cool because I went to Harrison high school. I think oh. we played, yeah, Lasseter, right? Of course. Yeah. I was at Lassiter. I played soccer uh, at Lassiter. Were you a soccer player? No, but I um, but then you said Mabelton. I actually grew up in Mabelton until seventh grade. We moved to Marietta, but uh, yeah, I went to Floyd Middle School. So crazy! Oh my goodness! Yes, we are. Well, we
1: could go into great details about the street names and what we're off of, but same stomping grounds. Yeah, I, I grew up in East Cobb as well at Lasseter and then went to school at LSU, Louisiana State University. And when I moved back, we've we've settled right in this area. So we are from the same hometown
0: that's so crazy the, <laughs> uh, anyway small world yes <laughs> so funny okay and what are you do t- we're in the middle of pandemic in case you're listening to this episode later in the middle of everyone staying at home quarantine craziness yeah. yeah so what I know you have three little ones what's mm-hmm. keeping you busy right now besides three little ones
1: uh just about everything um but in a really unique way it's it's obviously been such a profound season of truly God, just halting and stripping away everything, every idol, everything that would distract us from him, every, um, opportunity of, of otherwise. And it's been this really incredible season of, um, just being in in his presence and that's hard sometimes. And it's holy. And, um, I think, I mean, obviously with the kiddos, we have a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a, a 10 month old. And so, Um, it's, it honestly isn't too different from our normal routine because we work from home and we have all of them home, um, anyways, but it has been, uh, nice because there's been less ability to go out to do. So we've gotten really creative here. Um, a lot of time outside, a lot of long walks, and those have also given the space for, Um, just time with the Father. I mean, a lot at home, there are puzzles, a Play-Doh, you know, just sort of keeping them on on a rhythm here. But it's been this really special time of, um, gosh, just there's nowhere else really to put your attention than on the things Mm -hmm. of heaven. And I've I've actually loved that. Really hard, really hard when he starts pointing stuff out, like he'll do when we actually start to sit still with him. Um, But really, really holy as well. So been a good yes, time. three under four. Woo. Right, and we're so open-handed. So we're like, "What? What's coming, Laura? You got <laughs> how many? How oh. many you want to throw our way? We We love it. They're such a blessing. We really focus on um, being a multi-generational family team on mission. I mean, we really see value in just God's control of all of it and the blessing that each of them are. They're so different. Um, even already at these little ages, you can just see their different strengths and personalities and helping them, allowing them to feel like they're really contributing to the kingdom work we're doing is really fun. They are very much in the throes of all that we sort of function in ministerially. So we'll see how many we can squeeze into this home, whether that's birth or adoption or foster or whatever he brings our way. We're open to it.
0: Oh my gosh, you've already touched on two things I have to talk about. So uh, we have two friends. We're from States. Well, I know I told you from Atlanta, but I spent several years also in Statesboro, Georgia, near Savannah, and have two friends with six kids. And I think it's such a mission field. And I love it that you have that open heart because, you know, just raising six disciples, you know, it's such an incredible mission field. And I love your heart for that.
1: Yeah, he gave me this word a couple years ago when I was just... I mean, elbows deep in all of it. I had, you know, a toddler and a baby, and our home had flooded, and there was reconstruction. It was just kind of chaos. And I remember sitting on the kitchen floor literally just weeping, like, father, I, I know that you see me. I need I need a word from you. I need to know I'm not invisible right now. Like I need to know that there's purpose and there's power and everything at hand because this is hard. This is like death to self every every day and yet also so life-giving so then you're you feel weird in this middle ground of like again the hard but holy yeah. and i was crying on the kitchen floor and he just whispered to my spirit i do holy work in quiet caves and it drew to my mind i mean the the cave in the shepherd's field that that mary brought the savior of the world uh, into into life within it brought to my mind the cave of a mother's womb that he knits together miraculous wonders. It is the, the cave that Elijah hid in. It's like all throughout scripture, you see Jesus, he's consistently slipping away to the wilderness, to the quiet, to the unseen place. And our society often diminishes the unseen as if it's insignificant, as if it's not of value. And it's actually the holy, unseen, quiet caves that the very infrastructure of our world functions as a result of. It's like our, our culture so diminishes the seasons of wilderness or the spaces of, you know, quiet, but they're of the greatest value to the Father. And they're of the greatest value to our own lives as well in refinement. I think of, you know, if you look at Jesus's time even with Mary and Martha. Um, Martha who is doing, she's going, she's busy. She's earnest hearted, but she's missing it. She, she asked Jesus to rebuke Mary for sitting at his feet and his, his reply to her. Um, and I'm paraphrasing cause I don't have the scriptures open right in front of me, but it's if, if there's anything to be concerned about, let it be this Mary has found it and it will not be taken from her. You know, I read, those passages and Jesus is actually giving uh, permission for concern about something. And, you know, oftentimes our thoughts are like, well, how do I fit God in with all else that's going on with my desire to be productive and seen and effective and getting this and doing that and going, going, going. And he's like, if you are actually to be concerned about anything, it should be how you fit life in, um, in light of the amount of, of intimate time you're spending with me what Mary has found in that, what you will find in sitting at my feet will, will not be able to be taken from you. And so it was just this really, I've been in this long stretch season of learning that holy work in quiet caves and the unseen places that are not glamorous, that are not what our culture prioritizes, but are actually unbelievably sanctifying. They force you to your knees and crying out to him and compel you into just the r- realization of, the weakness of our humanity and the power of Him through us—they're—they're they're really important.
0: Yes, it's that is good. <laughs> I'm like holy work in quiet caves. Like yes, and that's that where
1: is. all of us are right now in quarantine. Really, it's why I wish people would stop trying to entertain them. It's the next Netflix series. It's the next this. It's we're running dry on the things that will keep our flesh entertained, and it's like at some point. We, you've got to step away from the worldliness and and actually spend time with him. And you will find the very thing that you're bored, like you're you're dry of, you know, he wants to give living water. And so I think the quiet caves of all of our homes right now are the very best place to really press in and say, then I, I don't want to waste this time. What are you doing, God? What are you, what are you doing? What do I need to hear from you? Like, what sin do I need to throw off? Like, yeah, yeah it's just... It's a it's a unique time. It's a cool time.
0: Um, living water. You reference that. That's the scripture that changed my life. John four, baby. Yeah, love the woman at the well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, also was pretty profound in my story. Um, yes, as well, just a lot of sexual brokenness and and coming out of of that. A lot of shame. A lot of um, feelings of inadequacy. Uh, yeah, encountering that living water. Uh, oh, man, I know that he presses in and actually it's not just like here's the living water now, there you go. Like, m- remember when she's finally up for it and she's like, Well, then, uh, then I want some of this living water. He actually stops the progress forward there and he's like, Presses into her deepest wounds her hardest areas like that deep rooted stuff that would be kind of nice if we could just like pick up the (laughs) gospel and run forward and never have to address but he actually is like okay then go get your husband and it begins this dialogue of the very things that are what define her life and his desire to tend to them so as to give her living water that can flow like a bubbling spring within her because she knows the value of it like because it it is the very thing that will heal those those hard and broken parts, and um, yeah, it's it's living water that continues to flow, and more and more and more as we as we press deeper and deeper with Him, and it's beautiful for a thirsty generation. It's important yeah. we, we figure out the living water piece.
0: Okay. So yeah, speaking of that, a lot of our listeners are college students and walk us to who you were as a college student. I know you have a lot of um, to unpack and your first book was written. You were a senior in college, right? Or when your the wreck happened? It was, um, yeah, the book was written
1: a few years later, but my life totally transformed in college. So everything in wreck my life, uh, the meat of it is really during that college time that I, that I truly came to know Christ, um, in a pretty profound way. Yeah. I was two very different people. Yeah. College and end of college. It was.
0: Yeah. So bring us there.
1: Yeah. Um, so I went to LSU, I played soccer at Louisiana state university and. Goodness, I think of the Mo going into college. I had been raised up in the church, so knew a lot about religion. I um, could have told you a lot about God. I had sort of walked, I guess, what is kind of the roller coaster ride of sort of I'm Bible belt, it's memorized, it's like faith by inheritance, I guess, was yeah. the best way that I could put it. I had struggled with an eating disorder that was just vicious, that had really persisted through all of high school identity issues. Just really struggling and really ill, honestly, when I first entered college because I was coming out of what was four years of like self harm and, and eating disorder issues. And at the same time, it's all in my hidden quiet place because I'm this very successful soccer player. I went on a scholarship. I'm, you know, prideful and. <laughs> um, Cover of Sports Illustrated. I Googled perfectionist. you. Perfectionist. <laughs> yeah, it is just very consumed with myself my ability to perform to control to impress as well as behind closed doors very consumed with my inadequacy my just loathing of myself my control issues that manifested into some really dangerous stuff and you know went off to college had this incredible freshman year yeah scored a 90 yard goal was in sports center this yeah sports illustrated all these different things um, but then went home that freshman year of college, and um, my dad put a gun to his heart and pulled the trigger, which was so unexpected. And yet looking back, you know, hindsight's kind of 2020. And man, in that season, it it completely caught us off guard. It was nothing that had ever been tried before, you know, or or anything that had even really crossed our minds. But yeah, suddenly suicide was a part of my story. And that catapulted me, really, because my faith was kind of faith on the sand rather than a rock. Suddenly adversity came and it was like, it's like to some degree when our faith is really in the sand, we can, like, we can kind of endure through a certain degree of adversity and, and make it through. But then there are things that come in life. I mean, John sixteen thirty three makes it very clear. In this world, you will face Trouble. Um, but take heart, have courage. I've overcome the world. And when we don't can, you know, know that, take heart, have courage, press forward with me, that trouble that comes, there can be a degree of it that just throws us completely off course. And I um, was just catapulted into depression, into anxiety, into promiscuity. It's like college is the perfect place to <laughs> hide all of these very deep things because the way they manifest physically just looks like the average college experience. I'm drinking, I'm partying, I'm in the wrong groups. I'm, you know, in different sheets each weekend, but also with this sort of religious rationalized, well, I guess I'm still a virgin because I'm not going all the way and just mess. At that time, I had been exposed to pornography really young. I was just addicted And had been since I was nine up until this, you know, freshman year of college, like again, behind closed doors, just in such a dark place, but looking like the fun, regular college kid on the surface. And I was just dead. I was just so lost and hurting and confused and really struggled in that place for quite a while for really um, most of my freshman year, most of my sophomore year. Um, in this really rough spot. And then, and I remember headed home for Thanksgiving break. My dad had died in January of 2009. And it was now, you know, November of of 2009. And I was headed home and really kind of at the end of my rope. uh, It was like a fast burn fire. And then I was like, this isn't it. It's not. I I remember understanding why my dad did what he did and seeing it as a viable option. I was so fatigued so fast from faking it. Wearing our masks, we could win Academy Awards. We're such great actresses, you know, actors and actresses of holding it all together. But I I was just really angry and really resentful and really, really tired and really overwhelmed and just a hypocrite. Because I still talked the talk of like, oh, that's good. But really, I didn't even know God. And I was headed home for Thanksgiving break. It was like 1 a.m., and I'm pretty much on the interstate alone, kind of near the Alabama-Georgia line and lost control of my vehicle because I'm in my own head. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm frustrated. I'm, to, I'll am just be frank. I'm sexting a guy, like uh, arranging my fix when I get home, Like just lost. And I lose control of my car. It's in the center media, and I jerk it back like, what is going on? My wheel is cranking and jerking. I try to pull it back on the interstate shot straight across, hit an embankment, flipped several times and landed upside down in a ravine at like 1.30 in the morning and um, really physically very broken. I had damaged ribs, lungs, liver, neck. I was such a mess. And I remember hanging upside down in that Jeep and coming to and feeling absolutely overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. It just moved into that wreckage and very physically, but also very much just metaphorically spiritually yeah. in the most broken part of my life and feeling the spirit of God, just tangible and thick in that vehicle. And it was as if he just began to speak. And suddenly it was like the depths of my brokenness and the depths of my need And the depths of my sin were just so clear to me. And I couldn't fathom that the Spirit of God would even be present. Like I was, it was so clear to me the intensity of my sin and the intensity of His outstretched mercy. And I just, it was like, be still, Psalm 46 10, be still and know that I am God. And it was just this interruption in my life that in that moment in that vehicle it's hard for me to even really wrap words around it i was like i can't i can't even believe you've sustained my life much less than met me in all of this mess and and outstretched some grace to me and it was such a tangible real personal encounter with the spirit of god that there was no looking back there was no there was no option <laughs> there was like Everything else looked like filthy rags compared to this glory that was like, I've made you, I've sustained you, I have plans and purpose for you. Choose if you will continue to let these haphazard winds of life, just doing the college thing, just going with the flow, just being one person on the outside and another behind closed doors. this double-minded knit. Choose if this is what you want to continue to live by, or if you will trust me, the master artist, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb to, to rebuild you. Uh, into a new creation, and to be with you all the days of your life, and use you for my purposes. And I was like, "Oh, that's a really good offer. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that. I will go with that." And so it was a really a one hundred and eighty from that point forward for me. And obviously, there were some ups and downs. I mean, I w- was home for a while recovering from the wreck, but then had to go back to college and. It's very disorienting when you've encountered the spirit of the living God and then you try to go back to the environment you came from. It's really easy to just kind of get sucked back into the rhythm of your sin. It's like the same friends. Well, what are you supposed to do? Like have no friends? Like, you know, you just it's really easy when we just kind of step back into the same place we've been to get caught up back in the same things we've been in. And so it was like a dip for me, but the spirit of God is so powerful in us. It was this a different feeling. It wasn't shame or condemnation, really. It was just conviction that came that was like, you're worth more than this. I have more for you than this. This matters. It really matters that you um, step away from these people. It really matters that you remove yourself in this season from these environments. Like, It really matters that you actually love me with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. Like, Let it matter. And I was like, oh, okay. I have to move out of this apartment. Like I can't be friends (laughs) with some of you people anymore. I can't, it wasn't like a hateful stiff arm to the world. It was just like, whoa, this is so consuming to me. Anything that he says to me, I will obey it. Like anything And it, it was hard. There was cost, you know, there's a weight of cost, but we, we focus sometimes so much on the cost. We, uh, we turn our eye from the unfathomable gain. It was, which really is the motivating factor of anything that he would call us to give up because he actually has more for us than, yeah. than what he's calling us to hand over. And so it was just a really profound season of intimacy with God. I mean, I went into like an intimacy fast. I, I didn't date. I didn't flirt. And I, you know, It was just a season of him really drawing me away with him and just starting to pull off the masks, the layers, the fears, the idols. And it's just transformative. And it really transformed my college journey from that point forward in everything. I mean, I continued to obviously play soccer and I spent my fifth year of eligibility um, training with the football team as a place kicker. But that piece, I guess, would look the same in the trajectory. But who I was in the midst of all of that and who I surrounded myself with and who my soul longed for was so different, so different.
0: Oh my gosh. I didn't realize we had such similar stories. I also got in a really bad wreck, uh, flipped several times. Alcohol was involved. Wow. This is my freshman year. Um, but and I wasn't as badly injured. It was crazy. We landed on the passenger side. I was with a guy I was dating. And we landed on his side of the car, and I'm hanging by the seatbelt. But I was, besides a few scratches and bruises, totally fine. And kept living my reckless lifestyle. Like it did not even wake me up. Um, it wasn't until my senior year that a breakup of all things crushed me and made me like, I was like, Oh, I'm looking for a boy to fill my broken places. Turns out another sinful human being can't do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so interesting. And then senior year, um, what you said too, about hanging out with the friends, it's like, I still love these friends, but I have to surround myself with people who are also seeking the Lord because I can't go to all these parties and be surrounded by all this tequila and try and, you know, make good, de- good decisions right. with my life. It's so hard. Exactly, exactly. And it was really
1: interesting. I think you know, as soon as I was able to open up to certain people to step away from friend groups, for, to step away from environments to just say no when an invitation came for a place that was not going to be good for me. Like It was so interesting because very quickly it's revealed who is a true friend and who just like that you serve the sin in them. Like, and so when I would make my heart finally, like when we have the courage to just make our heart clear, like I love God more than I love you. So I know (laughs) I can't in order to honor him, I'm not going to do X, Y, or Z with you. It becomes very clear who. Really, just kind of kept you around because you'd you'd sin with them, like that was what the the friendship was kind of foundationally built on. Versus who actually values you and your heart and your life and your experiences and what you're learning. And there were very few, to be totally frank, that from my first group that remained in the picture. But God was so faithful to send others. Yeah. True Godly community, people truly seeking after his heart as well. like he sent those friendships. and when I look at the comparison between the two, I'm like, oh my goodness, thank goodness I was willing to walk in that sort of wilderness season um because it's it's night and day. And what's really been interesting too is that years forward from there, there have been people from that first group who I, I'll hear from every now and then who, have seen the actual long-term change or transformation or who then in grief or in struggle or in, you know, stronghold or whatever it may be reached out or have followed or who I know are like watching and seeing and following, um, what God's doing in, in my life. And so there's sort of the long arc hope we can hold on to too, of like, if I'm really going to love the Lord, my God and love my neighbor as myself, then I'm not going to continue to serve the sin in my neighbor. I'm going to walk with the Lord, my God, to actually love my neighbor well enough to shine light towards them versus just keeping them in darkness by, you know, participating with whatever that darkness is. Um, Even if that's a long-term, you know, pursuit, even if that's a long-term journey, I think that's one really profound way that, that we fulfill the greatest two commandments in the love that's not always just like, yes, love. Like, because I don't want to ruffle emotions or this, this or that. Like, so I just say, yeah. But like, real love of of how God loves us. He loves His created thing, but He detests the sin. And so, if we love the created thing, the person enough, we will love them enough to detest the sin and to not uh, not come into agreement with it. And pray by the Spirit of God that that will um, that He'll use that short term, long term, however He sees fit.
0: So good. Okay. So you come from a star soccer player who's kind of living for the world Mm -hmm. and had this traumatic incident with your wreck. Start, you know, on fire for Christ. I'm sure there's a million details in there, but then you end up writing a book. And now I don't know whether you'd like to be called this or not, but have kind of become an expert in, in the way God made sex and how we treat our bodies and (laughs) this incredible, yeah, like, hey, I'm the girl who talks about sex. It was never the plan. It was never the plan. (laughs) But you're so good at it. And our world is longing for people to speak truth into the subject, because you know, as well as anyone that our world has confused, for, for lack of a better term, this subject, like, drastically yeah. confused it. So I'm sure there's a lot to unpack, but I guess I want to know, I've heard you say one time on an interview that, you know, you wrote your first book about your testimony, but there was so much more just in your sexual testimony. You knew it was a whole separate book. So I guess just yeah. tell us a little bit about like why it was a separate book and why is it such an important subject? That, those are two really big questions.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're big. It's, it's good. It, it is something that is so, there's so much meat. There's so much depth. Um, even that I am continuing to learn on why these things matter so deeply to the heart of God. And so, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of depth, but I will say from sort of the beginning marker of starting to realize, whoa, this matters to God and, and He's got a lot to say to us about it. And He's telling me to say things to other people about it. And this was never the plan. <laughs> yeah. My friend and I, the other day, were like, how did we end up in sex ministry? That was never really the thought. <laughs> no one thinks about that. But um, no, it was interesting. I was you know, writing, like you said, my, my first book, which was my testimony of coming to faith, kind of what I just shared. Um, I got to the portion, I guess, where he really began to transform, kind of that intimacy fast I just referenced. And as I'm writing about this intimacy fast, I'm like, wait, the depth and the width and the breadth of like all he did in my heart and showed me and taught me, I would be doing a disservice to try to squeeze this into a chapter. Like this is, this is its own book. This is its own conversation that could persist for quite, I mean, years really, if we dig into the depths of things, but I just felt him very clearly say to me, like, there's more here. There's much more here. And don't do this a disservice. And so I, you know, touched on it in the first book. But then I remember standing in my kitchen one day and he just downloaded it to me just sex, Jesus, and the conversations of church forgot. Boom, 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 boom. Like topic, topic, topic um, that he wanted me to, to speak into. And it was just. Amazing because when I really sat back and started to think and pray about it, I was like, Whoa, yeah, like my sexual testimony really mirrored my f- testimony of coming to faith in this brokenness, confusion, worldliness, lost perfectionism, seeking you know, affirmation from all the wrong places like this whole journey that had been one of my testimony of coming to faith, as well as just how I was sexually conducting myself. Um, and then this encounter with Christ. It changed everything. It changed everything without even having the depth of knowledge and understanding even, you know, 10 years later now that I do, it still instantly by the spirit of God shifted everything in my heart. And I knew like, this has to go, this isn't it. And so when I started to see the things and the ways that He opened my eyes and unveiled and spoke to my heart and ministered to me and healed and brought me into wholeness of understanding my identity and my worth and what is true and proper worship to Him and how I carried my body. And man, it was just a lot. And so I sat down and I, I wrote uh, the second book, which was Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. And really, um, even though that moves into a lot of depth, the heart of it was the realization of like, so much of my struggle originated because I think my parents thought the church was having the hard conversations with me. The church thought the family was, and really no one was. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking to, and I say that my mom, she's she's amazing. and And there was a lot that she taught, but when it came to the depths of how these things collide, like- our walk with Christ and our sexual lives. These things are very deeply intertwined, but no one had ever like helped me connect those dots. And I hadn't sought God in connecting those dots. I had made this vain virginity vow when I was nine years old and thought that was it. That's what a good Christian does. Like, and yet then was struggling with an addiction to porn was pushing the envelope was how far is too far was, you know, a mess and thinking, well, I'm still a virgin. And he was like, but are you pure? Mm. I was like, Oh, oh. by whose definition? Like, wow. I mean, we we'll get real defensive, but it was just uh, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to write that second piece to like the teenage Mo who was knowing it wasn't it, wasn't it but who didn't know why. And I, that book really served to start to kind of cultivate the conversation. I wanted it to be this conversation starter of like, We have to be speaking into these things and sharing truth around these things and looking to the gospel for answers to these things and, you know, under starting to peel back and understand the depth of them because people are dying in sin around these things. And we're buying into the taboo nature of like, it's not for us to discuss. It's very much for us to discuss. It is very much (laughs) important. So yeah, the second book kind of opened up the conversation there and um, really ultimately, I guess to kind of summarize your second question, I think the greatest and most profound revelation from all the details that you could go into around sex, sexuality, how they reveal the gospel, what they're saying of God, what he desires of us. Ultimately at the end of the day, what it boils down to is like we're creatures that are made for intimacy, but first and foremost, above all, it's intimacy with God. It's intimacy with the Holy Spirit that transforms and heals and changes our hearts. And and our behaviors then follow suit because He's transformed our heart. And we then want to honor Him, want to walk in His ways that are for our best and for our good and for His glory. And we want to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. We want to turn from what we've lived and we want to repent. We want to turn back to the one who knows us and who made us and who loves us. Um, but it, it only happens by way of intimacy with the Holy Spirit that transforms our lives, like that transforms our heart. And so many of us are seeking intimacy in all the wrong places because we don't even realize the void we feel is that we're uh, not knowing intimacy with God. And yeah. it changes everything. It changes everything when we welcome, what I say in the book, like when we welcome Christ into the bedroom, like when we welcome the Holy Spirit into this huge piece of our lives, our identity, he's the creator of sex. He made it for his purposes. It's an act of worship in the right context. It's a weapon against the enemy in the right context. It's a weapon against us in the wrong context. I mean, it's, it's really, really deep. Um, But at at the very base level, it's understanding that like, man, by turning our hearts back to God, trusting in the grace and the mercy of Christ to forgive us of the sins that we've known, receiving the Holy Spirit to lead us in truth in the way we should go, it transforms everything. It heals what was wounded and it activates us moving forward. And it's a lot, but it's beautiful. It's worth pressing into and and seeking God on. Cause man, it's like sticking your head in a wind tunnel when he starts to reveal everything
0: he wants to show you.
1: <laughs> oh, <that's laughs>
0: If we are friends on social media, then you have no doubt seen the crazy videos I do with my kids in the car. We call it car karaoke. It's so fun. It keeps us saying I enjoy doing it. And something we always do in these funny videos is wear sunglasses. Because of that, I had a sunglass company reach out to me as a possible sponsorship. And y'all, to be honest, I had never had that happen before, so I was just so excited. I was literally filling out the paperwork to say, heck yes. And that little voice inside of me was like, Katie, you say all the time, you vote for the type of world you want with the dollars you spend. So to partner with a company, I truly wanted to believe in their products and their practices and making a bigger impact. That's when I found Solo Eyewear. You guys, what a cool company. Every time you buy a pair of sunglasses from Solo Eyewear, they help restore sight to someone who might not normally get the chance to have an eye exam. You're actually changing the world with a pair of sunglasses. I reached out to Solo Eyewear, told them I would love to partner, and they said yes, so here we go, guys. You, my truth for your 20s friends, get 20% off with every purchase of Solo Eyewear. So the summer's coming up, you're gonna need a new pair of shades anyway. Might as well get some help restore sight to someone who might not normally get the opportunity to have an eye exam, change the world, buy some cute glasses, and save 20%. Just head on over to Solo Eyewear and use promo code TRUTH at checkout. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to point out, you said this, but I just don't want to make sure no one misses it, that that we do crave intimacy. We are created for intimacy. Like it's a good thing. And but that part of that is drawing us closer to God. And I I guess you would say people get cheap substitutes, so to speak, in pornography and casual hookups and stuff like that, which just exasperates the problem, I imagine
1: oh, it's all a counterfeit copy. It's, yeah. all, it's all such deception. And it, I guess it's kind of harder now for me. I'm um, working on my third book right now that's called Fully Known, An Invitation to True Intimacy with God. Once you start to see the layers of the spiritual pieces of just the tactics of the enemy to confuse us to our identity, to confuse us around these things of our worth of what sex and sexuality and intimacy really are, man, it's hard to come back up. He wants to draw us so deep in understanding because it it changes our heart. But all these things that we turn to, it's pornography, it's the one night stands, it's the quick hookups, it's the nude pictures, it's the consumerism, dating. its yeah. It's all the things that we turn to that we think will satisfy. It's all just... Deception, and it's all counterfeit copies. It's so damaging to the heart to continue to to just want to stay blind to it because it's what we know. Man, it's just killing us. It's really killing us, and and it matters. Like with porn, I think sometimes we think like, well, I'm not sinning with anybody. Like I'm not doing anything with anybody. So is it like sin? Sent- Yet we're, we're looking at human beings as body parts made for our pleasure rather than image-bearing creations of God. We're fueling the sex trafficking industry. We're providing the demand that only increases the supply that only continues to just hurt people in the process. Like Even at the surface level, if we can't see that, we're addicted to these things. We're enslaved. And we say we're not, but then we can't really quit them. And the same goes for like the dating, the relationship, what you said, you know, it was the boys that were always sort of putting in that place, man, all of it is such a counterfeit copy. When you come to know true intimacy with God, when you come to know his design, when you come to know the ways that his love and his spirit and his relationship with us satisfies our hearts and our minds and our soul's deepest longings, when you know that intimacy everything else you're like oh this was this wasn't it this yeah. wasn't it and i wondered why it was suffocating me but i was too scared to just step back and take a breath and say like god you've got to have more i wasn't made for this i wasn't made to be swiped on tinder like i wasn't made to be passed around the fraternity house i wasn't made to try to keep a guy continuing to text me because I'd send him naked pictures of myself. I wasn't made for this. I was made for your glory to be known and experienced and seen through my life. I was made, oh, I'm about to go off. <laughs> Bring it. worth and the value that He designed us to know, the power that He designed us to walk in, the purpose He designed us to walk in is so much greater than this counterfeit intimacy we're seeking because our flesh wants something. He's saying, die to your flesh. Let it be crucified with Christ. It does not have power over you. By the blood of Jesus, these, these things you're so enslaved to can be broken off and you can come to know spiritual life that is abundant. And you can walk in truth and in love and and really uh, fully activated because most of the time, if we're in sexual sin, we feel complete separation from God. We feel completely unusable, unworthy. Like we continue to do the religious, like we show up and we're there, and then we cry out and wonder why we feel so far from God in the hidden place. Well, it's just a sexual sin, just, it's the enemy's greatest tactic. It's a death sentence, a death sentence to intimacy with God, because it just consumes us and confuses us. But he's like, man, come into the light, come into the light and see what I have for you. It's better than any one night of pleasure. It's better than, than chasing identity. It's better than all of these broken things. And I'll go so far to say too, it's better than this banner of pride that you hold over yourself, that you're not like those other broken girl. Like, he's like, come out of that too. That's not it either. Because you're weighing yourself against against others who are struggling. Take, take the plank out of your own eye before you point out the speck of others. I want you to come out of pride and I want you to love those girls that you live with in your apartment. I want you to see their brokenness and their need and not feel better than them, but see them like Christ saw those like they were like sheep without a shepherd. And it says he felt great compassion for people that he wanted them to know freedom and truth too. And um, man, it's just transformative. It's really transformative to, to truly repent of our sin, which implies we turn back to him, back to what we were always meant to know, our first true love, like the one who made us and who is, is sovereign over our lives. Like when we turn our heart away from the deceiver, who's like, I sometimes say he's like coaxed us into the brothel. He gave us this appeal of this false freedom. Like come out of your father's house. Like <laughs> it's what sin does. Like come out of the garden, choose for yourself what you think is best for you. And that's real freedom. And then we choose it. And he's like, pulls off his mask and we realize he's this trafficker. And He just takes us into this brothel and we can't escape apart from the mercy of Jesus, apart from the the rescue mission of Christ on the cross. There's no escaping. And so I'm like, man, come out of the brothel. There's a way that's been made. There's a door that has literally been opened and to truly come into the light and to walk in freedom. And I should stop because I'm about to run a lap and I'm sweating. And... <laughs> people are like, what are talking I think about? <laughs> I can't help it. I get so fired up.
0: <laughs> There's flames coming off my computer right now. I'm though. Sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: I, I just love, love
1: people. I want those who are knit together by their maker to know that they are ultimately made to be the daughter of the Most High King. And and in our sin, we're just, we're so scared, but there's no fear in love, like in perfect love. There's no fear to turn back to God and to say, man, all of this was not of you. I want what's of you. Like all of this has left me dead. I want you. And when we like, if we really want Him, then we actually really find our true identity. And we never look back to the fake, false, counterfeit things we chased. We like only look to the things of the kingdom, and, and they're incredible. They're incredible.
0: Oh my gosh, so good. I'm over here. You can't see me, but like I'm raising my hands, I'm nodding my head. I'm like an old lady in church, like, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a lot. He just loves us. He, he loves us.
0: Uh, I love it so much. And so this is just why I'm so passionate about my younger friends for a million different reasons, but especially the subject of sex. I know I definitely did not understand it, misused it, misunderstood it, and just so thankful for your voice. And, you know, again, you didn't set out to be a speaker, so to speak, speaker, so to speak, on sex, but God's truly using you. And I'm just so thankful for your voice and um, I mean, we'll, we'll link your books at the end, but you guys, she has some incredible resources and books. And I just hope that everyone can get some of this wisdom because I'm just, I just think that you're, you're killing it in such a good way and giving all the glory to the mate, the one who made sex and this gift of our bodies and the gift of intimacy. And I just love it all.
1: Mm, thank you. It's man, it's still a fight. It's definitely a battle. Like the flesh has to die so our spirit can rise, but the helper, the advocate The teacher, all of these things that that the word tells us the Holy Spirit is for us, the one who convicts us of our sin. Like, I remember, goodness, oh, this was, here we go. I remember after coming to know Christ, after encountering the gospel, there was like that surge, that high where I was like, I need nothing of the world. Like, (laughs) when you're Mm -hmm. first so fired up, and I hadn't touched porn in a while. And then one day in my apartment, um, I lived alone at the time. And I remember it was just like, man, the urge just welled up. It just came up. It was like sort of that mountaintop high, I guess, to some degree, it leveled out a little bit. And that's where the the urge just crept up. And I remember opening my computer and just kind of, it's like muscle memory sometimes. Sometimes you'll respond to that late night text because it's just muscle memory. Like It's just what you've always done. and And we just start to move in those ways. We haven't really let the power of his blood break off the power of that sin yet. And I remember the urge came and I just opened my computer and I like navigated to this familiar porn site. And it was like, it was genuinely like the instant that was set before my eyes. I almost puked. I was so grieved. He had literally given me new eyes to see. And I suddenly saw these women, these men on my screen. It was like fresh sight of like, this is an image-bearing creation of God that is being defiled. And I'm being entertained by Like, this is someone's daughter. This is someone's mother. This is like someone's son. What am I doing? And it was... A gift of the Holy Spirit for us that we run from sometimes, but it's so beautiful in its sanctifying power is it convicts us of our sin. It reminds us of truth. It reminds us of His Word. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, our advocate, like our leader, but also our convictor. And I remember the conviction that I felt in looking at that was so different than just like, oh I feel bad. I don't want punishment for this. It was a different type of conviction. It was really the heart of the father that was like, this isn't it. There's close your computer. Like, And when we pray and we receive that spirit, we suddenly find the emboldening and the power. Like when that late night text come, we're like, "What, what is even happening here? He doesn't even understand my worth. He's not. This Isn't even worth a response right now. And we close our phone. Like, you know, when you're yeah. headed out to, to the get together with people and and alcohols on the table, and you know that is something that has consistently led you in to actions and decisions you do not want. It's only by the spirit of God that we find the, the boldness and the courage to say, This is this isn't it for me. Like I'm I'm not gonna partake in it. It's only by the yeah. spirit of God as he convicts us and teaches us and leads us that we can walk in his ways. And so we really have to pray, God, give me your spirit, like that I am not trying to just figure this out on my own because we've tried that a million times and we always end up back in the same spot. It's literally not by our own power. It's by his, yeah. his power in and through us. And it's 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 amazing. And I remember, sorry, I just keep going. No, I like it. A big party of, the, of my journey too, coming out of so much of that stuff was realizing like, The nature of how to truly break these things off. And it's the model of the cross. It's of forgiveness, um, really, that like the deception of the enemy can't stand it when our eyes are open to, oh, I need to ask forgiveness from this person for X, Y, or Z. Or I need to extend forgiveness to this person who like raped me or molested me or hurt me. Like I need to extend forgiveness to this person. That does not mean we go back into a dangerous situation and think it's kumbaya because but it does mean we can break the chains around our heart off that they hold the power. They still lord over us because of this root of bitterness or pain or anger or wound. Man, it's by the spirit of God that we realize, oh, forgiveness breaks this stuff off. I don't have to stay chained to this stuff. And I remember in my journey of healing, it was like this participating in the healing of God really prompting me, message these people. Like I remember writing down the list of all the people I could think of that I have been physically involved with, especially. That was hard. It was multiple pages, which was very humbling. (laughs) Like that's a big part of this whole equation is humbling ourselves before the Lord. And it's hard. It's hard. But I remember thinking, I have nothing to lose here. Uh, If anything, I have freedom to be found. And so I wrote down all these names. And one by one, I just began to bring them before the Father. Like, God, please forgive me for X, Y, or Z. God, please help me forgive this person for X, Y, or Z. And just even bringing their names before the throne and proclaiming Jesus' blood over each relationship, over each interaction. um, Man, and there were some that it was literally just like, guy at bar then like I don't even know who it was, but God knows, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's the beauty of life by the spirit. I just literally am like, God, you know the rest that I can't even remember. And I, I pray your blood over that as well. And and he prompted in many of those for me to actually reach out to the person and tangibly apologize um, or ask their forgiveness. And it was dynamic. Some people were like, you're psycho. <laughs> some people, some people never responded. <laughs> some people were like wanting to actually know what I was talking about and learn more. So sometimes even our obedience and forgiveness opens the door for the gospel, and it just is amazing to have that weight come off. And that's what he wants. He wants to break the power of that weight over our lives, and he can do it. He can really do it.
0: Oh, that's so powerful. I'm like taking tons of notes over here. Um, break my heart for what breaks yours as yeah. you experience the watching pornography. That's so powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I want to put this on a t shirt Nothing to lose but freedom to be found. That is good yeah. stuff.
1: That's all it is. We're so scared of obeying God because it will, it could stand to hurt our feelings, <laughs> to admit our sin. Like, mm-hmm. But this is the long arc journey the giving over of the stuff that's not you, that you also promise the receiving of more of what is you. That's this dynamic intimacy with God too, this giving and receiving. We don't. He doesn't just tell us to like hand over our sin and then he just leaves us empty. He said, like, I even had to restructure my prayers at one point in the process of all this revelation. Because I'd always prayed like, for example, like, God, please take my anger. Like, You know, take this from me. I would pray all the things that I wanted him to take. And I was never praying the full arc of, and Lord, bless me with peace that surpasses all understanding, with a spirit of self-control, with like we can pray in our active prayers of repentance, God, take this, and then we pray his word over what we open our hearts to receive. And Lord, please give me your heart. He's so faithful. He's so faithful to answer that. And, and he's so faithful to his word and his promises and his character. And so when we pray for his heart, he's not going to withhold that. He, <laughs> he tells us to pray for that. Like he, he's he's not going to withhold. Um, Yeah, just a, a neat layer that I don't think in our perverted form of intimacy that we go about with people, usually there's a lot of giving for us and not really much of receiving Of the things our hearts long for. You know, it's like we're used and abused, and we keep going back to this cycle, and eventually we see God as the same way. Like, you just want me to like give up my life, my wants, my will, like give up my flesh, and you're just gonna leave me high and dry, like all these different people did. And he's like, please know my intimacy is nothing like this broken intimacy you've known with man. Like, my intimacy is perfect for you. I don't leave you high and dry. I don't leave you. Groveling or begging. I don't leave you with the silent treatment. I don't leave you wondering if I care about you. I am the giver of myself to you, of every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Like when we really start to navigate intimacy with God and we break out of our assumptions that He loves us in the same way these counterfeit relationships have never satisfied. Then we come even more into the fullness of
0: him. That's so good. Switching gears, and perhaps this is a little bit of a selfish question, (laughs) but what I admire about you is you have, you know, like the email series called The Bold Life and have such a bold presence on stage and the boldness to talk Mm -hmm. about sex and pornography and a lot of things that is not comfortable. And I'm sure, you know, it didn't happen overnight for you to have this bold voice. And as someone who struggled to find my voice and try to figure out where I am and all of this stuff. I'm just curious how you got to be such an incredible dynamic speaker. I'm sure that's not a one sentence answer. And like, what gives you that boldness? I think I know the answer, but I just want to hear it in your words.
1: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, what gives it? It again, it goes into the book of Acts, Acts 431. Um, talks about when when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the holy spirit and continued to speak the word of god in boldness mm-hmm. over and over i look sometimes at the life of peter who was like so passionate for for jesus he he was so passionate in their life together tangibly um and so many of us are we're also kind of up and down like <laughs> i just if you look at peter's life it's so dynamic he's he's walking in wa- on water one minute towards Christ, and he sinks the next. You know he's trusting in Jesus fully one minute, and he's feeling like he has to lunge and cut off the ear of the you know men coming to arrest him the next. Like he he proclaims he would never deny Christ one minute, and then he's literally standing toe to toe with a slave girl, someone who societally would have had no impact or power over his life to do anything. And because she simply says like, wait, weren't you with Jesus? He denies Jesus the next, you know, it's like he is so up and down and it wasn't until the spirit of God came upon him. So Jesus dies, resurrected sins. He tells his disciples that he sends the gift of the Holy Spirit, the first fruit inheritance for the believers in Christ is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he tells his disciples like, I'm sending my spirit to you, you know, and they wait and they pray. And when he, when they receive it, uh, we see this at like Pentecost, when the spirit comes upon them, he's then just a little while later, standing toe to toe with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees, with the religious leaders of that time, who would have had a lot of power to destroy his life. They literally just exercised their power in such a way to see to the crucifixion of Jesus. Like, In one minute, he's toe-to-toe with a slave girl in his flesh, and he flinches. The next we see he's filled with the Spirit of God, and he's toe-to-toe with the power forces of the time. And all he proclaims before them is, we cannot stop telling anyone who will listen about what we've seen and heard. He is in such boldness. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and he speaks in boldness, not by his own strength. Remember in his flesh, even though he loved Jesus, in his own strength, he was still sort of up and down, back and forth. But when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, it was like, it's sort of like Esther, if I die, I die. Like (laughs) I guess God is there's there's nothing more valuable than saying what needs to be said. And so I really that sticks with me. And I've learned as I look at my at my own life, even still walking, you know, with the spirit of God, but also very much still learning how to die to my flesh. Like the times where the apprehension comes or the nervousness comes or the fear comes, or honestly, the fear of man, that's a big thing for me. I lead on, like, I'm very strong, but no one really sees the Mo. Like after I post a really bold word, my poor husband and my, my co-laborer, Brittany, they get to see the real Mo. Who's like, well, what, what did I just say? And should I have said that? And what if people think X, Y, or Z, or what if this person says this, this, and that, It's real. It's real that we would navigate these layers of humanity. Even David does in the Psalms. He laments, he grieves, he cries out, he rejoices. He's all over the place, (laughs) but he always ends in praise. He always reminds his spirit. He reminds his heart of the supremacy of God and that he's worthy of our worship in spirit and in truth. And sometimes that yeah. looks like worship to the point of persecution. You just gotta say the bold things. Whether that's on a stage or come on, I'd rather get off the stage. Rather, whether it's a one-on-one discipleship with the people in our lives, with our roommate, with our spouse, with our children, like whatever that looks like, it is ultimately his spirit moves and speaks when we've yielded to him. And so praying like, God, I I want to know you so well in the hidden place that when it's time to go into the public place, I know how to yield to you and speak and say what you desire. And um, it's just, again, it comes back to intimacy and in relationship. And um, I'd take the one-on-one, I'd take this, just, just conversation a million times over before I'd I see more value in this than I see standing on a stage in front of thousands of people. But our, our culture, has that flipped a little bit, and I get sucked into it sometimes too and have to remember like, yes, there's a place for that. There's value. There were times where Jesus ministered to many, but most of the time he was ministering to the few right around him. And it was a ministry of power that birthed forth the church of God. And so I'm like, okay, then the stages are cool from time to time, but it's let it not be without the intimacy and the total unseen. That's what actually births power.
0: It's so good. I'm gonna. Um, I could talk to you for three hours, but I'm gonna ask you some of our closing questions. <laughs> but um, yeah, then it made me think about though, since you know we're in the middle of quarantine, there are no concerts, there are no athletes, there are no things to quote worship, and then we just had tornadoes go through Chattanooga. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah, yeah. And we lost power, and so we didn't have Wi-Fi for like nine hours, and I was thinking like. Okay. (laughs) Here we go. Like, there is nothing. And, but it was kind of like a reminder that song, um, Coming Back to the Heart of Worship, was playing in my head. Like, when it's all stripped away, like, and I just simply come, like, it's just, you know, none of the fluff. Like, here we go, God. So, exactly.
1: Well, it's important too. Like, we, in so many ways, we have approached God in a consumerism mindset. Oh, I go to this place. I hear, sort of. I mean, no offense to those who are who are working to to help shepherd God's people, but like, we go to this place, we hear a, a regurgitated word, someone else's intimacy with God, then regurgitated to us. We we feast on it, and then we head out, and in a week we return, and thinking like, oh, I'm only really going to. Man, really powerfully encounter God is at that conference with the worship that's yada yada, like or the speaker that blah 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 blah. I'm only gonna get, I gotta be in the church building because I gotta hear it from this guy. Man, suddenly it let all those things get stripped away and you realize like, oh, it never actually was intended to function like any of that. Yeah. It was always been about our individual relationship. Intimacy with God above all. Now, when we corporately gather, great, praise God, don't forsake the fellowship. Gather with believers, whether that's five people. You know, I find the smaller settings are actually usually the more powerful, but gathering in whatever way He leads, like there's importance to the fellowship of the body, but it's not without independent relationship with Him because suddenly the conferences, they'll be gone. Suddenly the church gathering, it'll be gone. Suddenly all the things where we thought we needed to cultivate like, or to hear from God are gone. And I think what he's asking his bride right now is like, do you know the voice of your bridegroom? Do you know the voice of your good shepherd? Because I'm speaking to you right now, but are you listening? Can you hear me? Or are our ears so tuned to what that one slick-tongued pastor said on the Insta story and rhymed all the words, and then I felt like I spent time with God. And you're like, I'm, I'm like, a 15-second clip on Instagram isn't intimacy with God it's just not it and i think the season's really neat in that he's stripped all those things away and he's like i'm come on here it is like i'm right here and i want to be with you and and honestly it's going to be very 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 important that we know the voice of our good shepherd as times do progress and as labor pains do continue. And as the groans of a fallen world do persist as we near every day since Christ ascended to the end times, like we need to know the strategy of the season and we need to walk in communion with him, that we're not just listening to other people's voices to tell us what to do, but like we know the voice of God and we know how to respond.
0: So good. Oh my gosh. I just love everything that you're sharing. I know that everyone else is listening too. Um, can you give a shout out of the books and where they can find them that you've written? Oh, sure. Um, so my first book was Wreck My Life,
1: Journeying from Broken to Bold. It's available on Amazon Um it really, I think most book retailers, but the only place you can go right now is Amazon. So, yeah, <laughs> there. Um, my second book is Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. It's, it's available there as well. Um, and I would just love to encourage anyone, um, especially around Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot, if you go to moisom.com, we have a number of really valuable resources completely free and available there chapter by chapter, um, you know, mini video guides to prompt conversation. If you're reading through it in a group, we have a continued curriculum, um, an eight part video series called sex and Jesus. The conversations continued that was built off of listening to people's feedback and questions, um, for a year after the release of the second book. And taking the conversation even further, answering those things, digging deeper. That's all on the website. It's completely free and available. It's on YouTube as well. Um, Just different resources are available there that can continue to help asking the hard questions, cultivating community, finding accountability, and um, just seeking him in in a lot of these things as we heal and as we move forward. So that's all at MoIsum.com as well.
0: And your Instagram handle?
1: Is at MoIsum. I'm really trying to change that soon. I'm really trying to break away from Isom. It's my maiden name, and I got roped into keeping it for ministry. And now I'm like five years in, and I'm like Ted Gummert. It's not my name, I'm Mo Aiken. I'm Mo Aiken, but no, it's still uh, it's still at Mo Isom. And um, yeah, can find there. We share we share a lot on on Instagram. Is probably my most frequent place of sharing stuff. So and your yeah. cute baby pictures, I follow and I love she will always be splashed in there. I'll be re- delivering a prophetic word about in times one minute, and then you'll see my little dimpled 10-month-old the next. And I'm like, listen, it's the both-and around here. It and <laughs> it's perfect. Real- and then real snuggly all in one day.
0: <laughs> and that's how we love it. Um, but yes, I know a lot of people listening do college Bible studies, chaplain of their sorority. The digital resources that you suggested would be perfect for that. So I want to make sure people know that it, grab the stuff on her website because it's so good. Um, highly recommend it. Yeah, all free, all free. Freely received, freely given. So it's there for anybody. Very generous of you. Um, Okay. So as you know, this is called the Truth for Your 20s podcast. And I love to close by asking the question, if you could have coffee with your 20-year-old self, what would you say?
1: (gasps) Oh, you know what? I was just looking. Okay. I actually wrote an Instagram post a little while back that uh, started by saying, dear college aged Mo. I have it right here. So I will just read what I wrote then. It said, Dear college-aged Mo, I know deep down you long for more. You know there is more, more than these twisted feelings and Saturday night flings and one-sided efforts to feel valued and seen. I wish you would stop chasing the next him and instead let him in. Capital H. Uh, And I don't just mean let him in like that one-time prayer you prayed when you felt guilty and that other sinner's prayer you unleashed at that one weekend retreat. No, I mean really let him in. Let him see you exposed and weak. Let him hear you vent out that pent-up conflict you feel of liking the sin you run to, even though you know that sin leaves you empty. Let him heal you with more than just a Band-Aid fix your emotions once slapped on quickly. No, let him do relentless heart surgery day in and day out. Let him dig out those roots of rejection and pain. Let him weed through those images you streamed into your eyes and deceived you into believing leveraging your body might warrant you that pleasure you just think you need. You know, pleasure is not the same as intimacy, right? I need you to know that. I need you to know that intimacy is hard and holy and takes work and surrender and vulnerability. It's not a quick burn. It's a wildfire type unleashing of glory. But right now you're settling for the quick the cheap, the easy. Dear college-aged Mo, you're worth more than all of these things. Don't hide like Eve. Run into revival like the Samaritan woman when you drink from his intimacy. He quenches the thirsty. You've got this, girl. His mercies are new every morning. And he's got the best in store for you, named Jeremiah Lee." no more peasants, just his presence. You'll see. Oh, So, <laughs> so cool. there's my, there's my final anthem. No more peasants, just his presence. <laughs> Girl, so good. That was beautiful. Yeah. That's what a, a few months back I, I wrote to college aged Mo. So maybe that lands with somebody listening.
0: I know that it will. Y'all make sure you follow her at Mo Isom for some more. All your stuff is good, but that was really, really good. Oh, thank well, thank you. you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom. I know that girls are going to just love this episode. And I know I certainly did. Well, it
1: was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Let me Let me ramble
0: so much. I appreciate it. It was perfect. <laughs> Oh my gosh, wasn't it so good? I told you guys it would be so good. If anything resonated with you, it would mean the world to me for you to just take a screenshot of this episode and put it up on your social. Every time someone does this for me and tags me at Katie Bulmer Life, I happily reshare it. And you guys, I was just looking last time I did this. There was like 50 sticker taps for the person who shared it. So you guys get some Insta love. We help this podcast to grow. Everyone wins when you help spread the message of something you loved on this podcast. And tag Mo. I'm sure she would love to hear that you guys are loving the episode as well. At Mo Isom. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing with your friends. I hope today that you got some truth for your 20s. Hey, my name is Hannah Boomer. Thanks for listening to my mom's podcast. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And our work here is done.